Hello and welcome to the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Uh, we are Rochelle and Carter. This is weekly through HopeOnDemand.com, or you may already know, anywhere you get your podcast, you probably got it through Apple or Spotify or one of those. Thank you for clicking play and listening. We usually have a really fun time when we do these, and it's not to say that we won't have a good time right now, but the topic is going to be heavier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just in light of the tragic events that hit Uvalde, Texas. Um we want to talk about some heavy hitter questions. Yeah. I, I know that generally uh, Christian communities get plagued with after a tragic event takes place. Like, how can you believe in a God that would allow this to happen? If he is a good God, that yeah. this doesn't add up. And, and we totally get why those questions are asked. And we do not, excuse me, we do not have all answers, certainly. Oh, no. But, uh, and I hope that that, doesn't sound like a cop out. I hope that's embraced because if anybody sits there and pretends that they can address all subject matter relating to something like this mm-hmm. and say, I know how to answer everything perfectly and I know exactly what God's feelings and thoughts are on the subject matter. Yeah, no, well, they're, they're not telling, they're misinformed. Well, that is true of, of Christians, yes, but I think um, with the outside critics sometimes it especially in moments like this i've certainly experienced it i kind of back up and go i I don't know what to do maybe they have a point and different things like that and you kind of get fear in your head Mm -hmm. of well why would god allow something like this and so what does that mean in the the grand scheme of things but you got to realize too they don't have it figured out no no perspective on earth has it figured out regardless of the ideology and so I think that's where we can all come together and go, we don't have all the answers. We got to be humble enough to admit that. Right. Right. You know, it's interesting. I'm going over. I just finished up the the book of Luke, which was authored by, guess what? Luke. Really? <laughs> wow. And it, and then uh, this this reading guide that I'm using has me going directly into its sequel. And it's meant to overlap um, with acts. And I I heard it said on a podcast that I was listening to earlier today, how uh, if we ever wanted to change the name of the book of Acts, uh, the guy who was talking said, I would be all about changing it to um, the Acts of Jesus through his apostles. Oh, okay. Because the the books are almost parallel in in many ways. It's the Holy Spirit that comes and shares um, through the apostles and helps uh, get the word out, right? And one of the apostles they really highlight, I mean, it's it's hugely about the story of Saul slash Paul and Peter and the part of Peter's journey in in regards to recognizing God's wanting to be the father over all nations and not just the Jewish people. That doesn't necessarily hit him right off the bat in terms of ministry, right? It, it's something that God continues to reveal to him. And I I think that's important for us to note in the uh, apostles' walk that things were ever in process. And I think that that's okay because if everything was revealed right up front with with God and why things happened or why he's asking us to do thus and so, I think it'd be overwhelming. It'd be too much for us to take mm. take in. And he knew that his his kiddo, Peter, had been raised in the Hebrew tradition and culture and Jewish uh, Jewish tradition, we are the, the chosen people. And I think that might have been um, 
the main focus for a person of that faith and not necessarily recognizing all the prophets who before him had said that through this nation, all nations will be blessed. Maybe that was less emphasized. I don't know. I'm just guessing because it kind of is almost a surprise to the apostles. If you get that impression in the book of Acts, it's almost a surprise that this is going to be for all people. You, you mean you went into Cornelius's house as this guy who is clearly not, he's a Gentile. He's not Jewish. And he's the Holy spirit comes out. We've shared about this in podcasts before the Holy spirit uh, is given to this family who are not within the faith. And that's, surprising to many that I don't know if we're allowed to do this. Well, if Peter said it happened, well, maybe it's okay. So it's, uh, there are things that we get in doses from God. There are things that we can only realize in part. And something else that I took away from, from this particular book, the morning after Uvalde happened and we're coming into work, Carter and I, we do a radio show. I'm just numb. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way to describe it. Because what we usually tend to do is picture our loved ones in the set of circumstances that these fine people must have found themselves in. Uh, Whether you have children or littles in your life in some way. I I just didn't have words. What are we going to say, Father? What are we going to share with people to encourage them? Lord, I just want to rest in you right now, too. And... uh, I was reading that morning and uh, the story of Philip meeting a man on the road. He was advised by God to, to go up this road. He didn't know why. Again, ever in process. It wasn't revealed. Hey, by the way, go up this road. You're going to meet this guy. I mean, sometimes it was laid out like that. Jesus did that with his disciples when it came to finding the right place to have the last supper. Follow the man. He's got some jars of water with him, you know. Uh, but in this case, no, Philip just obeyed. And there was this gentleman who was in a carriage and he was going back to Ethiopia, his home country, where he was the treasurer for the queen. And he's been in town in Jerusalem for the holiday. He's been there to worship. And he's going over the scroll of Isaiah and he's having trouble understanding what it means. And Philip hears him reading it out loud. And he must have said something along the lines of, what does this mean? Mm. (laughs) I don't understand. And I've certainly been there in my life uh, uh, saying things out loud to myself. And Philip, he gets bold and he asks this guy in this beautiful carriage. And he's, you know, in sandals and dirty walking along the street here. Hi there. Do you know what you're reading? And it struck me that Philip used that moment, that scroll and where that man was at to meet him in the moment with Jesus and bring Jesus with him. I, I hope that makes sense what I'm trying to say. He used where that man was at and met him as Jesus does over and over and over again in so many lives, not just in scripture, but look at your own life where he has met you in the pain mm-hmm. of that moment. And he used the circumstances surrounding this gentleman in this carriage in that moment to minister. And so that really touched my heart when he is then able to share the gospel message. Uh, The guy's all about it. Um, And he's baptized and 
it's this incredible story as after he's baptized, Philip is taken up by the spirit to, to go somewhere else. That must have been crazy. You know, the Ethiopian yeah, guy looks up. And, that's kind of nuts. Where do you yeah. go? <laughs> but I, I was reminded in, um, I think we want to fix things and we want to fix them quick. And we want resolution for others as well. And so am I taking a beat and recognizing opportunities just like that carriage is an opportunity to not necessarily um, push something on someone, but to be available and to meet them in the midst of pain as Jesus did. Yeah. I think that's twofold with a situation like this, because I've heard, um, I've heard somebody uh, uh, say, uh, you know, I've said never argue with a crying person. Um, and <laughs> I heard a pastor share, yeah, probably a, a funeral is not a, a good place to correct somebody on theology. Yeah. Uh, you know, because that, that, get, that gets thrown around right at any funeral. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, heaven has a new angel. It's not really theologically correct. Yeah, uh, we're not angels when we die. Right? It doesn't say that at all in scripture, but that's kind of what our culture has called it. But so. to somebody even grieving their grandmother, I mean, let's say even yeah. if it's as nice of a funeral as you can have, even right. if it's not a tragic one, uh, that's still not the time and place to go. Actually, uh, Technically. excuse me, your eulogy, I'm going to interrupt for just a second. Like, no, you just, you just uh, mourn with them. And that's what we shared mm -hmm. this week was on our radio show was Romans. Is it 1215? Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Yeah. And so with the twofold thing of, of meet them where they're at, you know where this goes and we won't get much into this cause we don't get political, but, um, you know, the topic that comes up after a, a tragedy like Uvalde. Sure. And, and so many on both sides say, mm -hmm. how dare you politicize this? Well, meanwhile, they're politicizing it like <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, you know, that, that, that that has a whole conversation that you can, you know, go with and, and eventually in Congress and news and all that. Yeah. But immediately too, um, like I think a, a perfect example would be this. If I agree or disagree with whatever law you're thinking of or restriction you're thinking of, if I go to a person that is mourning the loss, I actually know somebody that has a second cousin mm -hmm. that, that lost a daughter in that classroom. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how close they were. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm not this close. I'm not trying to, you know, get myself in the situation here, but it would still be even as far removed as it is completely horrific for me to, um, if he brings up one side of the issue or the other yeah. in his morning. Right. right. And, and I said, well, actually, no, 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 no. Shut up. Yeah. Let, even if you vehemently disagree with it, and even if you are right, just listen. It's very presumptuous for us to be that way. But like I yeah. said, we want to fix it. You want to fix it. So, and you feel like you have the best way possible. Yeah. But in that moment, mourn with those who mourn. Yes. Yes. And I got to keep my big mouth shut. And that's hard to do because your intentions, most of the time, at least I know from my own, from my own place where I want to speak into it, it's a sincere place. Oh, yeah. It doesn't mean that you're, you're a horrible, selfish human being. But if you open your mouth and you feel the Holy Spirit bidding you to stop, mm. then yes, you you are taking, you're crossing a line because God asked you to stop. I, I think that's what we got to remember about even just politics in general. Both sides genuinely want what's best for the country. Oh, yeah. They just see it differently. Absolutely. And so I got to remember 
that that in those moments, but especially when I am, I should be mourning. And that goes along to the second point, mm-hmm. which is when they say something that is, isn't even just a political opinion that I think I have a good basis on mm-hmm. when they say something that's untrue. Mm-hmm. I mean, just when they in their mourning say God is not real. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a tough one. Yeah. Because I'm not going to agree with them. Right. But I also don't want to lecture them. And I, I think before we get into that issue, because I think that's a good conversation to have. Yeah. Uh, but I have to be willing to, as best as I can, give them hope, give them a promise, um, reassure them, especially if it's somebody I know that that I know they have faith. Now mm-hmm. they're just doubting because of what happened. Uh, reassure them as best I can. But it's not a moment in mourning to lecture. I was talking about how the books of Luke and Acts uh, almost overlap. It's interesting. Luke is, is um, he was a Gentile and he spoke in Greek, but the way that the books are written mirrored or mimicked rather the way the stylings of Hebrew author. And that was very much on purpose. And it's almost to, to lend to us the idea of, hey, you're a part of this club. You're a part of the kids of Abraham. You're you're a part of the family of God. Mm. And it's also interesting, the different parallels of uh, the account of Jesus and those with the ones in the book of Acts. I'm going somewhere with this. But you see even the story of like Stephen, he said things that were very similar to what Jesus said when he was dying on the cross. When Stephen is martyred and he's stoned to death, he asks God to please forgive them because they don't know what they're doing at the moment that they're stoning him. That's exactly what Jesus said when he was dying on the cross. Um, there are other parallels. The point being, I think we're supposed to see, and this is not by mistake, I think Luke is wanting you to see that this is Jesus in these people. Mm. So when somebody is standing next to you and they are mourning and they are questioning the existence of God, I pictured in that moment as you were painting that scenario for us, Jesus wrapping his arms around that person and not condemning them and not saying you're wrong, just holding them because it's it's Jesus and me doing the exact same thing. So when you hold people in your arms like that, when you pray over them and choose to to be present with them in their pain, Jesus is still there, regardless of whether whether or not they're um, that they're claiming that for their own world. His presence, though, is is no less real because he's in us. And I I think that's very powerful. And I think that they, uh, I think people remember those moments. And and uh, it's a very powerful way to be able to share the true spirit of Christ, not one that has to, quote, be right in a forum where we're arguing for or against stuff. Uh, I, uh, I do want to get to that forum. I think we can talk about, uh you know, openly and objectively about that hard question for mm-hmm. any si- hard situation. But I think to make the case more with, with this, um, it's just such a beautiful story about what that guy did for your dad. Okay. So yeah, Carter, I, I shared this with him and I think I may have shared on a podcast before, but my father, uh, he, he and my mom have been married now for 50 years, 51 years. And that's a long time to be married for anybody, but it's especially, it beats all the statistics with the fact that my father has bipolar disorder uh, has to take, he's been on medicine since 1988, uh, which comes with its own struggle. 
but it's difficult to stay on that kind of medicine because it can be hugely debilitating, mm. to be honest. Um, and he, as a pastor, really, and he and my mom have decided this is their ministry is to help people with mental illness, to help them from a biblical perspective, stay on their medicine, to help them with counseling. It's, it's not been an easy road for either of them. And there were two times in, in, uh, my father's life where my mother had to admit him into a psychiatric, psychiatric ward. Uh, I have no idea what that would be like. I hope I never do. But I know, I saw, I remember seeing the pain on my mother's face. And I remember her choices to continue to praise God no matter what. And I do remember um, one day before she took him to the hospital, my dad was sitting in this room. He was by himself. It was just dark in the room. And that, that just feels creepy, right? You can almost hear a little kid singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star in the background, right? For a horror movie In the minor keys? Just, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But there he was. He was sitting in the dark. And I I couldn't tell you the thoughts that he was mulling over because they were endless, especially when you're in that manic place. Uh, It's thought after thought after thought after thought. I think no less thoughts when you are in a massively depressed state as well, except they're all... um, they're life-threatening, they can be. I think we even discovered that with um, with what happened with Naomi Judd. Um, and that that's just a very sad situation. She deals she dealt with mental health problems, and uh, it can take you to that place of I just I can't do it anymore. So anyway, as he was sitting in this room, one of his best friends came to our house to visit. And Jay went upstairs. And there's my dad sitting there, eyes staring into nothing. And Jay doesn't say a word. He just sits with him. That's it. That's it. And as a daughter, I remember that. And I know my dad recalls that story. There was no condemnation. Uh, It was just, I love this brother of mine, and I'm going to sit with him in his pain. When you feel like you should say something but don't know what to say, you don't have to. You don't have to say anything. But to be there, and kind of like you picked, you uh, painted the picture earlier of Jesus being there, you know, when yeah. we represent him, and that's just so beautiful. That's just so beautiful. Um, this is something that I wrote for, I, I, well, really, I guess I'll say, I avoided it for the first afternoon. Uh, I had some friends and I that we texted about, Um, you know, we started seeing the headlines and my friend said, I just tried to emotionally avoid it. And then there was just something that hit me when I saw the update go from 14 kids to 18 kids. And obviously it wasn't done, but, um, I don't know. It's just, I just kind of, um, it was headlines we've seen before Mm -hmm. and I just kind of was uh, knowledgeable of it, but just trying to not keep my mind of it on it. And then, and then for some reason, when it added four to that count, yeah, I, I just, I was like, that's four human beings. Yeah. Not to mention even the other 14 that I was trying to block out. That's individually. And then you think about your own kids or your own loved ones. And it's just, you know, I don't know why that did that, but it just, it, it hit me then. And, uh, so this is what, um, I was on my mind when something like Uvalde happens, people always ask, where is God now? 
And to me, something as awful as this tragedy not only proves the existence of God, but our need for him. Because if there was no God, why would it be as gut-wrenching as it feels? Why would we know without a doubt this is wrong, even if the world was just by chance? Why would we look at our own kids and say, may it never be, and yet feel guilty while looking at the parents that lost their children? Why would we hurt so much as a society? I don't know why God allows what he does, but Jesus saw the brokenness of us and decided to do something about it. In Christ, we have a promise that is hard to fathom in moments like this, but it's true. Every tear will be wiped away. And that, I think, is a verse we should just read. That's Revelations. We looked it up yesterday. Revelation 21, verse 4. Verse 4, that's right. This is for those in Christ at the end of time. It says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, or sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. It's hard to fathom, but it's true. But it is true for those for those children right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I I have solace in that. My heart hurts for obviously the the families who are going to try to the word the dad I heard use was process. Mm-hmm. And I and I used that earlier on the podcast. And we have to allow for the process with these types of situations for people to grieve, especially when it's not happening to us mm-hmm. personally. Uh, even though I know we are all impacted by these moments. Um, impacted because immediately, yes, you are trying to either put yourself in the shoes of somebody or, like you said, avoid it. Because mm-hmm. it's painful. But I I will be honest, you know, I, I heard th- this little boy, his name was Samuel. My son's name is Samuel. My husband's name is Samuel. He's 10 years old, and he witnessed his classroom become this, this violent man's, mm-hmm. I don't even know what you call it. Yeah. His hit list. It's, it was just, and uh, apparently one of the bullets ricocheted off his chair and hit his little leg that the shrapnel hit his leg and in that moment because of the impact he was able then to pretend he laid back and acted like he had passed away Mm. and so was witnessing this and i thought about that young man 10 years from now right i pray that there will be people and this is how we can do this is what we need to do to pray people into their world to become one of those people in their world to in our own community where we have been placed, where we have been called, be those people that speak into the lives of others the love of Christ. Yeah. yeah. That are Jesus with skin on. <laughs> that are his spirit with flesh on. That's me now, right? That's you. And so that we can minister along the way in the, quote, process. So that 10 years from now, he won't be another statistic. He won't be another kid in jail because he couldn't deal. Mm-hmm. There are going to be, we can come back from these things. Why? Because we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We can come back from these things because nothing is impossible for God. We can come back from these things because all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And if I'm one of those people and I've been called to be around other people that is going to spill up and over into their world it can't help but do it it's that is what happened the birthplace of 
the gospel message. It spilled up and over and it affected continents. And 2,000 years later is still the most believed faith on the planet. Mm -hmm. And uh, we need to stand firm. We need to offer up the the doubt to God and say, "I, I have trouble with this. Because we've discussed this before, even during the story of Easter with Thomas, there is no con- condemnation from Jesus in those moments of, I don't understand. Right. Um, uh, I, I think a part of that, before we get to the question of how could God allow this, mm-hmm. is as believers being difference makers and being different. And part of that is how do you love your enemies when you hate them? I mean, I don't understand. I don't, I can't process why. I mean, to be honest with you, I get so jaded on, you know, people say, well, you may have experienced this or that. And I kind of go, I don't really care. I mean, because yeah. this, this is never an answer. And, uh, and this was pure evil. And so how do we as believers uh, love our enemies in tragic times like this? And really it could be from, you know, a coworker offending you at work to a civil case, to something like this. And I heard a pastor speak on this recently. It's, it's just really practical that when something even up to like this occurs, we can always pray. We can pray for, of course, the situation, but for even the family, uh, even the perpetrator themselves. I mean, this is a, obviously an extreme case. The perpetrator is no longer on this earth either. Uh, but in many cases, when they're captured, pray for their salvation. Mm-hmm. Pray for a fair trial. Pray for, I mean, if you're involved, make sure there's a fair trial. Yes. Like all of the things that should be happening where we don't waver on justice and that punishment will come. Um, and, and of course, acknowledging pain too, but to also not have that mob vengeance mm-hmm. mentality yeah. that, that I often go to, because I'll be honest with you. I, I, I think we've all thought Okay, what do you do in a situation? And unfortunately, it's 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 not just schools too. You you're in a mall, you're in a grocery store, you're in a church, you're in a church. What would I do if something like this happened? Yeah. And you've kind of thought, what would I do? And I've always thought, if I am, um, it, it, what I would want to do is if I'm right behind them, mm-hmm. tackle them. Yeah. And I've had that thought of, I, golly, I might kill them myself. Mm. <laughs> This is never an answer. What are you doing? And justice is not up to me, though. Right. And that's where you have to love somebody enough that you have to make sure that proper justice is served by the law that God set up, the laws of the land. And then, of course, ultimately, we release it totally because in the end, uh, we'll all be judged by God. And those that aren't in Christ will be judged by their works. And there are some that will have a lot to answer for in situations like this. And I love how you put it with like a like a hero movie. Yeah. <laughs> what does the hero, the good hero do? Yeah. So Caleb, my 12-year-old and I, we really enjoy watching the, Bat, uh, the animated Batman series. Okay. Yeah. It's wildly specific, I know, but it's the one we've been watching. And we've both commented not one person has passed in these cartoons. Okay. Yeah. Uh, every single one of them somehow lands on a mattress or something when they're falling from a building or whatever. Uh-huh. But in those sets of circumstances where there is no mattress at the bottom of the cliff, Batman always reaches out to grab their hand mm. and save them because he's all, he's all about justice, not vengeance. 
And I think that's the key. Um, and in, it's interesting in the newer Batman movie. And I know it's like, Rochelle, why are you talking about Batman? Because we're on this kick in my house right now, right. I guess. That's fine. That's fine. But it it is interesting. Uh, spoiler alert. If you've not seen the new Batman, I, I am going to say something. And just for 10 seconds, turn the volume down. I, I need to turn the volume down. What am I supposed to you're do? You're not going to. I don't think you're going to lose anything here. Okay. At the end of the film, he recognizes the need for hope and not vengeance. Mm. It's fascinating because at the very beginning of the film, you hear him say, when the bad guy, who are you? I am vengeance. I'm vengeance. Right. He changes it. And I think, I'm like, well, there you go. That's amazing. That'll preach. I love those types of moments too with your kids, by the way. Don't ever waste a moment with your kids when you're watching a film and you go, oh, that's a biblical truth. And mm. you can help connect that for them or with them. Yeah, that's true. Even instead of like preaching, because I tend to, you know, I like to, I love to talk about the Bible and all that stuff. I don't want to do the preaching thing. It's like, hey, how does you, how do you think this might relate to something that you could read in the Bible and make them do the connecting of the mm -hmm. dots? But um, that's I'm really glad that they do that. Not every film does that. I feel like the superhero characters, it is sketchy sometimes. There's the anti-villains and stuff like that, too. But even Spider-Man, it's like there is this I'm going to be a responsible citizen uh -huh. that overtakes the the desire to have revenge. And I'm like that's. That's where we're supposed to be in Christ. Well, because revenge will always be encouraged by the world, depending on the situation. Yes. You know, we you, want the bad guy to get it in the end, right? Well, and even, you know, you, we've talked about before, you're, you're, you and your best friend, you're talking about work, and your friend talks about how much of a jerk her boss or his boss is. Yeah. And is like, oh, man, uh, they'll get theirs. And, you know, and meanwhile, I've been on that situation on both sides, probably, but, um, hearing my best friend talk about how awful their boss is. I've never even met their boss. Yeah. I don't know what true justice would look like because I don't, we, we just always want people to get theirs that we like. Yeah. And then if it ever goes against us, do we realize, oh, cancel culture is not fair. Oh, revenge isn't right. fair because right. I, th this is not just punishment. A mob mentality is not, not what God calls us to. It's a proper way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And of course, like we said, ultimately he'll take care of all of it. I think, also to remember when we want to say, well, God, why don't you do something about this? Um, I forget where I heard it recently, but just the reminder that he did. Mm. That's why he sent Jesus. And I know that he, I mean, when we read those passages about when Jesus wept his tears, I don't, I don't necessarily know that it was just um, restricted to that particular setting for those tears. Maybe it was for, for, Hey, I'm going to weep over this moment alone. The one where I'm looking at Jerusalem and thinking, if you had just come to me mm -hmm. when you could have, and then we could have avoided, we could avoid a lot of the things that are about to happen to you. Mm. Maybe, maybe he was also thinking about you and me in those moments where we are broken and we feel that nobody understands. He did it for not just that time, but for all time. And he died for us so that we would have a way to commune with him, to fellowship with him, uh, not just um, live etern in eternity in heaven with him forever, but to live out this life with him. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's so important that we remember that. And, and it's so easy for me to sit here and talk about this with Carter because my child wasn't shot up by a madman. 
Uh, but at the same time, I, I, I hope that I would be like the, you know, we recently shared that story of the church in California, where instead of taking vengeance on the man who came in and shot and killed some of the people there in the church, they, they did not take revenge. They hogtied him. Mm-hmm. They called the authorities that I would have the ability to recognize in that moment. Yes, Lord, this is devastating. This is going to take a long time for me to process in this life as a human being because I'm frail. Yeah. But I know where my baby is. Mm. And I, 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 you know, my prayers also just need to be continuously for the family members and commit to pray, not just today or tomorrow in the next few weeks that we're thinking about it, but in the months ahead and the years ahead sure. for that young man, that Samuel, who 10 years from now may still be struggling with what he saw in that classroom that day. Yeah. Um, that is all we can do. And that is everything we can do. So to that question that we've been dancing around, how does God allow something like this? Does this mean that God doesn't exist with things like this? And, you know, I see, I see that objective intrinsic moral as such a proof that God exists, because if there was no God, why would this phase us? Why would this phase us? Why would, why, I mean, lions in the wild all the time, uh, animals, and I guess in general, all the time, death doesn't bother them. They go on. I mean, you, you see some of, they might mourn this and that, but they, there's, there's, it's, gru- it's gruesome in nature, quite frankly. Yeah. And there's no morals necessarily, right? But we were made in the image of God. And so why would this be so, you, you, can't, you can't look at a world and say there's no God and then call anything wrong. There's no reason for anything to be wrong. It just is. And that is why when you know that everybody on planet Earth looks at something like this and every, every, um, every I'll say sane person uh, looks at something like this that's in a very healthy, or even a decently healthy place, looks at Uvalde and goes, that is sick and disgusting and evil and wrong. And we know it because God told us that and told us what's right. And so when God allows something like this, we acknowledge, somebody called up our show the other day and said, God doesn't allow it or not allow it, he gave us free will. And I would say absolutely, but at the same time, why are some fugitives, uh, you know, or criminals caught before? He didn't intervene. He, he didn't, yes, that's a good way to say it. Why are some caught before it happens and yeah. why are some not? Yeah. And uh, I think that's where I have to just say, I don't know. I think that's a good answer. I I know that there were people in Scripture, as I'm reading through uh, this particular book, where the disciples are sent out now as apostles and they're, they're healing people here and there. Why not? Why not every person? Why isn't every person written up in account? I, I don't know. I think. I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that God sees something that we don't Mm -hmm. that's attached to something down the road over there. That's attached to something down the road over here Mm -hmm. that somehow this is going to maybe be instrumental in establishing new ways of communicate the way we communicate with our children, remembering to take every moment, um, 
and hold on to it, not take it for granted, or at least, at the very least, maybe help us to establish a better system. Um, You know, we've heard in Texas, actually, they're looking to create school buildings with way better security systems, Mm. um, at the very least. So, uh, does that make it better? No. No. No, it doesn't. Um, many of the tragedies that we read about, I don't understand. I certainly wouldn't presume that I could really even speak to any of it, other than I know to lean not on my own understanding. Yeah. But yeah. it says in Proverbs 3, it's a very famous passage, verses 5 and 6, in all my ways to acknowledge him, he will direct our paths. I can trust him, this same God who died for me. If I can visualize somebody standing in front of, like this teacher, shielding her class with her own body. Mm. That is the image of Jesus Christ. He did that for us. We can trust that teacher loved those children. Yeah. We can trust that our teacher loves us too. We thank you for your time, and uh, we'll, I guess, get back to maybe more of a normal setting of a podcast, but we wanted to make sure to say a few words about this, and um, certainly we don't have all the answers and we don't know, uh, but we do know that there's a God and that he loves us and that he's going to work through it. So thank you for your time. We will see you next week. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. <laughs>